to episode six of Two Discount Grocers and a Microphone. As always, I have Mike. And I am Dylan. How's it going, Mike? Oh, doing well, Dylan. What up with you, man? Uh, I just wanted to start off by saying I am really excited about this podcast. I have been excited about most of them anyway, but a uh, very, very interesting guest we have on today. Yeah, yeah, no, it, uh, uh, I gotta tell you, you know, we, uh, as is no secret probably to anybody who listens, um, you know, we just kind of run through this, uh, loose and fast on, uh, how things are going. And, uh, uh, as we announced in the last one, uh, we have Mr. John Decker on this podcast and I gotta tell you going into it, I was like, you know what? I think, uh, I think I might put a little thought into this. <laughs> It was weird having printouts and questions prior to. Uh, it, it probably was almost like a real podcast this time, as far as the work we had to do prior to, right? Oh yeah, no. Uh, well, I do want to say that yes, you you spent a lot of time writing down all your questions and agonizing over them. I just kind of went off the top of my head on the questions part. I didn't have anything <laughs> written down. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I can't. All right. so, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really, you know, just curious to hear, uh, by far the most nervous I have been, I think going on a podcast just for the fact that, uh, I don't want you to lose your store. <laughs> Some of your questions. <laughs> well, thank you. Delete. Yeah. No, thank no. you. Thank you. No, you know, I, I would say, you know, listen, I, I felt that a little bit beforehand, but once we got going, I mean, it was, it felt good. I mean, yeah. you know, John's such a, John is such an easy guy to talk to. He really is. And uh, I, I do mean this as a compliment, but, uh, it, it talking to him, you don't really think about title if that mm -hmm. makes sense, you know? Um, so no, I, I, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. And, uh, I think a little bit of the hand wringing that I had beforehand, uh, turned out to be completely and totally unjustified. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we talk about how this is such a different company with the fact that we are all just a, a true team and people really just working with each other. Um, you know, I, I don't think your titles matter near as much in this company as other ones. And, and yeah, talking to not just him, but so many corporate people, it, it really feels like just talking to equals and talking to people uh, normal without having to put on this uh, fake hat of, well, I only can say this or that. I mean, you can be so candid with so many people in this company. It's, it's refreshing to say the least. Yeah, that's true. And uh, although I will say, um, uh, it is John Decker and, uh, it is not Jonathan Decker. I, I did make that mistake once. I, I said, Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Uh, kind of messing around, you know, I do that from time to time. And he said, you know, uh, my mom named me John. It was good enough for her. So let's stick with that. <laughs> hey, no problem. <laughs> so, so I, I think so, you just, yeah. Kind of spoil the fact that we were doing the intro after we've already done the call. So nice work there. Well, listen, if if yes. people don't know that by now, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I've spoiled that every single episode so far. So, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, once again, without uh, without further ado, let's get into it, and uh, we give you Mr. John Decker. <laughs> All right, so here we are with uh, Mr. John Decker. John, how the heck are you? You know, I'm doing great. Um, 
I know that we're having some issues with Americold, um, so I know that uh, you know we're working through that. And uh, I know that the um, Adrian and Tim Scott and that team is just working diligently through it, and hopefully get some good news here shortly. Yeah, yeah. Although I was looking at my deli inventory and I went, you know what? I'm not so mad about missing a day. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, good. you know, I'm sure Dylan is scrambling because he runs a much tighter ship for well, sure. We were so excited to get our two pallets of ribs in. And, and so, yeah, we cleared some space and are ready for it. And I got that email. So I just, I deleted the email. I'm just not even going to look at it. I'm going to say it's still going to come. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, head in the sand, the ostrich, uh, the ostrich yeah. wave going, uh, nice. I like it. Yeah, it's good weather. I mean, I'm, we're getting warm weather down here in California. I don't know how how it is up north, but we're getting in the 90s right now. Yeah, we're we're finally breaking into the mid 70s, so that's nice. After you know, uh, I think Dan Bab had snow two weeks ago, still at his house. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so well, John, I think we're gonna start. Oh yeah, you go. Oh you go. yeah, we're yeah. Hey, well, I was just gonna say. So okay. So you have a, a long uh, history in grocery here, right? And come from Rayleigh's, yeah. but how, how did you how did you end up coming to, to Grocery Outlet? That's interesting. Um, so in 2010, um, prior to 2010, uh, the, as you know, the conventional uh, model uh, is stressed um, with their high prices, high labor structure, everything else. And I, I saw the writing on the wall and, uh, and we went from like 12 districts down to 10 districts. And I told my wife, I said, hey, it's it's just a matter of time before they go down to eight. And so we we thinned up our debt. Um, I got ready to jump ship. And uh, and, that, and of course, it went down to eight districts. And uh, and that was at that point, they offered me a position in the stores or take the severance package. Uh, and I, my wife asked me if I'd be happy. And in 2010 was a really bad time to leave um, just because the economy was flipped upside down. Uh, but, you know, you know, a supportive wife like my wife is, she's, she's like, are you going to be happy if you stay? And I says, no, I won't. Um, and so she said, then, then leave. And then um, there, was, there was 143 of us that actually left um, Rayleigh's at that point. Most of them were laid off. And um, believe it or not, the Novaks, who were in a Tascadero, had to pay about a grocery outlet. And they said, hey, um, you should check this out. And I remember going into the first store that I went into, and I thought, gosh, you know, I just, I don't know if I could do this. I'm used to this big store, all these departments, pharmacy, you know, just just so much different model than what um, a grocery outlet was at the time. And not to mention um, that operator was probably on the bubble of losing their store at that point. And so it wasn't something that was really appealing. And then um, then I looked at another store. I went into, um, I went into Watt Avenue and met Ryan Toma. Um, and I liked the operator, you know, he, he was explaining the model. And then I met Jason Olson down in Elk Grove and then, um, and then um, went into West Sacramento and I met the operators there. And it, it was very, um, very engaging. You know, Eric Flick was, you know, very professional. You know, Jason Olson did a good job explaining the model. And at that point, I fell in love with the, the business model. And I, and, I, and I got it at that point. And, I, and that's how I found Grocery Outlet. Took me 15 interviews, by the way, to get on. Um, I was I was coming on when um, you know culture back then was a challenge. It still is today. Um, we'll probably talk a little more about that here late, later. Oh, most um, definitely. But they wanted to make sure that I was a right fit, um, that I wasn't going to come in and be a bulldog um, coming from a different you know environment um, where you dictate um, on how to do things. So. So. 
I'm curious because I come from more kind of your background, more of the big box store. Um, during the interview process, you said <laughs> you went through 15 interviews. Uh, tell me how you felt after grocery outlet interview process 12 years ago, 13 years ago. You know, I thought it was really good. I, you know, I met so many different leaders in the company. Uh, they, they wanted me to make sure that I bounced around. And my last interview was with um, uh, Eric Lindbergh. And, and, I, and, you know, he called me up, uh, the clear blue says, hey, I'm in Davis, California. I know you've been interviewed a ton. I just wanted to see if we can connect and just talk. And spent probably almost two hours at a Starbucks just talking and, and getting to know each other. And uh, next thing I know, I was offered the position. So I guess it worked out pretty good. Um, prior to that, I interviewed with um, Dan Bab or Dan Mills and, and John Tornacasa at the time. And I, and I tell the story that, you know, Dan, after the interview said, hey, um, you want to go to a, you want to go get something to eat and have a beer? And uh, and it was still the interview process during that time. So it was, it was actually, you know, I, I can't no, tell you how trick. much I wanted to go. I don't know. <laughs> how do you answer Great that, time. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so you came on with Groshiala and, you know, I, obviously, you know, we, we know the operator side and we've we're both training store operators and we've talked to a ton of different people. Um, and you know, there's a lot of times when you ask, uh, operators, you know, what's your, what's your, your, their only regret with grocery out is that they didn't start it, didn't get into it sooner. Right. They really love yeah. it. Is there a, is there a corporate equivalent to that? Oh yeah. I think there's a lot of us. I mean, you can start with myself and my DSM team. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I have a lot of people uh, ask me, you know, how hard was it for you to adjust to grocery outlet? And I think you guys, um, and especially Dylan, will probably be able to really relate to this more just because he came from the same world that I came from. But I didn't realize I spent 27 years adjusting. Um, coming to grocery outlet, once you get to understand the model and really understand, you know, what you're trying to achieve, um, you don't realize that, you know, this is such a, mu a much more natural fit. So all my DSMs um, going through the same thing. Um, I feel like we, you know, all three of us on this call um, have been able to grow. Um, if we were to go back in our old, um, old, you know, jobs that we had in our past, we'd probably be much more productive um, knowing what we can do right now and really be able to help that business grow um, with all the things that we've learned over the years. So, yeah, so I think as far as equivalent, I think anybody who's, um, you know, like I said, everybody from my team feels that way. Um, I know that like when I, when you see like Sage and Jack, when you had them on or Sage, you know, they're one of the few operators that can't say that, you know, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. They, they started, you know, so young and uh, good for them. But yeah, yeah I think I, uh, Sage was in like eighth grade when she started. I don't know. <laughs> I remember their journey. I, you know, you know, and I, and I want to commend you guys for what you're doing. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk going on at, even at the corporate level saying, Hey, this is a really cool thing, um, to listen to, it, um, can help us a little bit as far as understanding our roles and, and, and how we're impacting the operators. Uh, when I, you know, listen to Sage and her being the reset queen, um, you know, it's just very fitting and, you know, the way she operates and, and, and her and Jack and how they met their story. I remember that journey. And I remember them getting into the OT program and then Scott Hines's message, um, you know, in his journey coming all the way to the West to really learn everything and working with John Elliott and, and Newberg, uh, really good. And, um, you know, and then Billy, 
you know, Billy and Liz, we have a lot of history together. I mean, I've known them when they first started out and then uh, and, and them bouncing to different stores. But, you know, I will tell you that we are looking at markups. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it has become um, kind of a th thing on our radar at this point. So, Billy, um, I just want to make that clear that we are looking. And then when I look at Charles and Raj and what they, you know, on their last last call that you did with them, I thought that was really good. So you're getting really diverse um operator community out there that you're getting some feedback so i think it's really good and, and charles and raja like they said it is lifestyle which you all understand and uh, and a lot of aot's you know we tell them that but sometimes they don't get it until they actually get into seat and then i remember you know meeting dylan and tanya for the first time i think it was at a regional meeting and um dylan was really quiet at the time you know the store is probably not performing at the at the most and stop it you know, I, Dylan oh, has he, never been quiet in he his was life. Quiet, no, no, no continue you, on, John. Continue on. He's, <laughs> he's like, who's this guy coming to talk to me type of deal? But I told him, I said, hey, I'm hearing great things. And, um, you know, we always want to take, you know, get the operator to a, a, a level where they're actually going to do better, you know, get into a store that they want to be in. And sometimes, you know, hey, they may be in a community that that's home to them and, and they just want to work it out. When I think of, um, you know, people like um, Charles Grimm and Pasco, I mean, that guy just keeps digging and digging and digging and he just has so much grit and I, and then um mike and danny you know meeting you guys i remember um seeing danny down at um gou and you getting yep. trying to get her on the agreement you know yep. and then of course you know your dad and your mom i was in you know in school with them yeah 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 i want to make uh, uh, two corrections first of all it's okay, danny yeah. and mike now because yep, she yes. is now the the true leader um, and, and I want to kind of just talk real quickly about the experience of the interview process. So you had mentioned it, it, kind of like a surreal experience. You know, you go through and it's not really an interview. It's more of just like you talking to people. I, I remember when we went through our interview process after every interview, uh, Tony and I kept saying, this didn't feel like an interview. This just felt like it, it didn't quite feel real. They were asking more personal questions, trying to get to know us, not really our our background, but more who we are. And then even when we started this company, it just felt very much more supportive than I ever would imagine. Uh, and mm -hmm. I come from a, you know, the background where uh, first Mike's mom was my boss for many, many years. Uh, and it was pretty ruthless to say the least. And you come into this culture where you have corporate who is truly there to support. They don't just say, hey, we're here to help you and support you. I mean, they're all about making you succeed. And then you have all these people in backstage. You know, this call is an example of people who just are real people. And, and it makes it very comforting and healthy. And so when Mike says some of the operators say, I wish I would have done this sooner, I think it's much more than some. I would probably say it's the majority of saying that this this is not just us saying it for the podcast or us saying it because someone's listening. It's saying, you know, we wish we would have all done this earlier just because it is a better feeling knowing that you were supported by so many different people in this company. And, and so hats off to you and the entire corporate of just creating that kind of culture for us. So very yeah, thankful thank for you. that. You know, and, one, one thing I will tell you is that with the DSM team, it's really, it's, it's really one of those things that they've got to learn that you can't do it all for the operator. You've got to make sure that you can help guide them, but you can't do it for them. And you sure as heck can't want it more than them. And that's, that's when we have, you know, that's a learning curve for a lot of the DSMs is that um, you need to learn to what let go. You know, I thought a, a really good um, uh, example of that, I thought was uh, that I think it was Christina who worked with your, with your AOTs that took on St. Helens. You know, like all operators that go in, it's a big challenge. You got all these new things coming at you and you've got, you know, you got 
competitors coming in you've got a restaurant coming and creating you know traffic jams and everything else and i you know and here they are they're doing great now and um you know just just a little guidance and, and letting them take off and learn how to fly by themselves um, it's done really well so thanks for both of you being tso's um i know you guys don't ever get enough credit for that and all tso's um, but without you guys we wouldn't you know wouldn't be where we're at today and, oh thank you and I just real quick because my mom does listen to this podcast. Are you saying that my mom was ruthless or the business? One hundred percent. I'm saying your mom is ruthless. No, no she she did so much for me with our uh, previous career. Uh, no, she was uh, she was very very strict, and and uh, she taught us so much that I didn't realize would become such our normal day-to-day in operation in a different way. And, and her being ruthless was uh, because that was the culture of that company, you know, but sure, again, I love sure. your mom. You obviously know that. And, and yeah, she yes. was great for us, but you know, it, it was tough. And, and I think that's also what allows us to appreciate this so much more. So, yeah. And you know, that's Holly. on my list to, to meet Holly. I've never met Holly. I know that she has um probably has, more referrals than anybody else in this company. She's has quite a few. Yes. Um, yes. And she understands us because I know she knows more store directors that are out there that probably would like to do this, but she understands that they couldn't do this. Um, it's not for everybody. Yeah. So, so with, uh, you know, when we talk about the operator community and you know, that DSMs can't want it more than the operators, but mm -hmm. you know, how many stores do we have now, John, do you know, do you know that off the top of your head? Ish. Um, what is it? 446. 446. So you got 446 stores, you know, 880-ish operators out there. And, you know, I know for myself that every problem that I have is the most important problem for mm -hmm. sure. And I'm sure that all 446 stores feel the same way. And I think Grocery Outlet does a really good job of uh, trying to connect with the operators, trying to solicit feedback, um, trying to make improvements and so on and so forth. But I know in my own store, and I've only got 32 employees who all think their problems are the most important things. Uh, it gets tiresome sometimes, you know, I want to support them. They're the reason why my store works, just like the operators are the reason why grocery outlet works, but it gets, it can, it can uh, wear on you a bit. Do you guys experience kind of operator fatigue to an extent and and how um, do you how do you kind of combat that at a corporate level you know it's it's different you know i like today like i said we're going through the the challenges with americold and, and we'll be fine with that and i it, it kind of ebbs and flows um like during COVID, it was crazy i'm not gonna lie it was crazy for everybody and I, and it was just like it was hitting us in every every way you can imagine. It wasn't just COVID. It was everything that came along with it. You know, you know. I was, I was mentioning to somebody the other day. I said I haven't heard the heard the term Karen for a while, and um, and that was going on a lot. And then, but I mean, as far as fatigue, sure, it's tiring. But I, I can tell you that everybody that we have, um, you know, we look at hungry, humble, and smart for the operator. Um, that's still the same thing on our side as well. You know, we. We don't like to micromanage people on on the corporate side. We want to make sure that everybody's self motivated, that they're hungry, um, and they're they're very humble and they're smart. They understand that. Hey, you know what? This is a time that we're all going to have to put in and, and uh, some time, and could go into the weekend. It could go into the you know late nights. But um, as far as fatigue, I mean, we we all get tired, but we're all happy, and it's a great place to be. I mean, who? 
you know, as far as um, when we talk about the operators and what they're excited about, I mean, what other companies excited about the economy right now? You know, it, you yeah. guys have been waiting for this. For yeah. years. So <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we're equally as excited, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, kind of going back to, you know, your history. So everyone has kind of that aha moment. So you've been with Grocery Island now for 13 years. Uh, has there been one major turning point that you can remember that was just your, wow, this is the absolute right decision I made. And when did that happen? Was there ever just a light that turned on that was uh, worth noting? Gosh, you know, I, it's hard to put it on one situation or an aha moment. I, I can tell you there's, you know, when I start looking back and I, and, and it, you know, I knew this might come up and I and I started thinking about what, what, um, what was those big changes that came to me? And I remember my first aha moment was not a good one. Um, I remember going to a get together and somebody asked me what I was doing since I left my old company. And I said, I'm working at grocery outlet. And the first thing they said was, Ooh, what'd you go with them for? And it wasn't a cool place to be at that point, you know, 13 years ago. And I, and I think, and I know that we built this brand to the point where it is actually a cool place to shop. Um, and, and we got a lot of cool people who work here and a lot of people who care about the customers and everything else. So it's, it's a big thing. And um, that was an aha moment. Um, but when you, when you think about, and in 2010, we started pushing meat. Um, this is before your time. We were, there was 40 SKUs in the box. It was only eight foot box. And so we, that was something to get into. And, the, and I think the meat margins were very low at that time. I know they were. And so we, it was a tough thing to sell, you know, and then, and then we were pushing produce as well and shrink was high and operators were really struggling with that one. And it's, it's much better place today. And then Nosh came into picture and that's, you know, we've been riding that one for a while and I hear often what's the next Nosh. Um, and then the next thing that changed again was the freshness policy. Um, that was the one thing that, you know, that I wasn't real proud about, you know, when I, when I first came over here is that we were able to sell food that were out of code. And I'm extremely, um, I think this was a great move by the company. And I, and I, you know, I just, I think it was made a big difference to what, you know, our, our changing clientele. And then um, if you think about the other enhancements we've done for the operator that, that has made an aha moment, putting date codes on the order guide so you can be ordering more aggressively. Um, all the other filters they put on the order guide. Um, you know, when I first came here, everybody was printing the order guide. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, it can imagine. Oh, yeah, I, I did that whole print it, yeah. enter it in, cross your fingers that you got stuff. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And do you remember, do you remember the part where you would get, a, you would, everything came in layers. Mm -hmm. And so you would have to cut a layer and I look for the UPC and scan yep. it to check it in. Yep. And I was thinking, God, this is so like caveman style. Um, but it, it was the way they did business. And I, and I think the other aha moments for me too was, you know, meeting Eric, uh, meeting Tom McMahon and getting Tom's vision of him telling me, hey, we, the standard is here. We want to bring the standard to, up to higher um, because I, I truly believe that we can get there in his vision. Um, you know, hiring RJ and Charles Brocker. I mean, you guys don't know them very well, but I, I can tell you, you'll get to know RJ more, but super smart guys. And um, and when you look at, you know, you know some of the, the changes that RJ's made over the years, he never says it, but um, when I first got here um, in 2013, margins were, were a little tough at that time. And, and it's been pretty consistent. Last year was a tough year because it had an inflationary year. 
and it lasted the entire year and, and we were chasing it and you know you, you have the egg egg challenges that came out there and some other uh, you know key items that kind of pushed down the margin but um those are key hires you know bringing on layla was was a big one you know she took um took our stores to another level as far as that and digital marketing and then um you know matt reeves coming in you know our last um, vp of produce did a really good job um, but matt's taken to another level and and john stewart look what he's done to our meat program um you know our seafood program and and other meats are really good we have stores with 115 SKUs now which is really really strong good offering and then um we didn't have planners when i started now we have planners and um hank does a phenomenal job uh, he juggles everything and and i know you know sometimes the planners don't make everybody happy but they're believe it or not they do a phenomenal job and then um, a couple last ones that I think have made a big difference. Harrison Lewis and our BT team, um, he is a huge advocate for the operator, um, makes it very clear of that. And then um, Pam, you know, when she was hired, you know, she was our general counsel and now she's, you know, leading my team. Uh, she's, she was a phenomenal um, game changer for this company. So, I mean, it wasn't just one thing that really changed. Sorry to go so long, but no, you're fine. It's, it's a it long form podcast. It, <laughs> yeah, it has been a just a combination of a lot of good moves for the company, and um, yeah, I'm just really proud of all those all the people I mentioned. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, this is meant to be a compliment, by the way. But Pam has been such a nice surprise for me. I because I yeah I didn't really know her, really talk to her in her uh, role before this. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to be talking to the lawyer too much, right? Uh, but boy, I, I, I tell you, I, I've really, uh, I've really appreciated uh, uh, Pam and and what she's brought so far, and just kind of her overall vibe, to put it very uh, uh, broadly. But yeah, you know, and, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to bring up any names because I don't want to miss any names. But that right there, what you just did, acknowledging all these people in a positive light is not you just saying it <clears throat> pardon me for for the sake of saying it it's that you're proud of them and you want to acknowledge them and that's our culture in a nutshell like if you were to ask like what is it like working in this company it's that right there i mean no one asked you to acknowledge all these people in that kind of light you just did it because uh yeah. you want to um and in your position uh, a lot of people in organizations are not used to that and, and i mean yeah right there that is just that's why we do what we do right there so thank you again yeah, well uh, one thing I, I better say it before i forget um <laughs> you know my team you know I, I i mean i think i've got a you know when i first started there's five dsms now we have 15. and um we've got incredible um leadership in that and that that um that um that capacity as well putting rob weaver into the vp role i think has has really done a lot to develop that team out in the pacific northwest um, Ross going into his role has really kind of elevated Southern California now, and um, he's you know he's working on a lot of different things. And then Eric DeFrancisco on the East, um, he's really you know he he didn't come from the grocery world, and he's really started to pick up a, a lot of steam and starting to understand you know everything about the model and how to how to really help those operators out there. So, you know, we're kind of talking about culture a little bit here and there, and about how things are different, but. So in with that in mind, um, you know, Groeschel is obviously rapidly expanding um, and the forecast for expansion uh, doesn't look to slow down anytime soon. And when we talk about culture, uh, you know, 
I don't think it's, I mean, I think everybody agrees that culture is very important. And I think if you ask anybody in any company, they'd like to say, oh, we've got a great culture. We want to have a great culture. But, you know, it's kind of like saying customer service at the store level, right? Everybody says, oh, we want to have the best customer service. But what do you do to get it, right? It's one thing to say it. It's what do you do to get it? And when I think about kind of culture and I I kind of came in on the tail end of with the old grocery outlet. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's older, you know, there's people have been around longer. They're like, you don't know old grocery outlet. But I came on the tail end of that and I've kind of seen a lot of changes. And I think about maintaining culture and I wonder how much of culture can you maintain versus how much of it needs to evolve to fit a growing company. And I wonder what your thoughts on that are. Interesting, because um, you know, it's RJ mentioned it that we all all own culture. Um, Eric's mentioned it in the past as well. And then, um, and then you you, you mentioned we talked about Pam and how you you said you she surprised you. I will tell you that every decision that we make has to make sure that it, it doesn't impede on the operator's independence. Um, that it's not going to hurt the model. And it can't be countercultural, even on the hires. Um, when we hire somebody in, um, it's not like, hey, is this person qualified? Are they a good fit? It's the question is, are they a good fit? And um, and so we ask a lot of questions. That's probably why we don't ask when we when we do interviews for for operators and even for corporate um, um, folks. We don't probably ask the most traditional questions, um, and and we kind of bounce around. We want to really get to know the people and what really drives them. You know, I. My, one of the questions I ask for for DSM is I'll ask, hey, you know, um, when's the last time you did something for somebody and you didn't get any credit for it? And how did it make you feel? And if they say, oh, God, it pissed me off. Um, and I did, you know, it, you know, it just didn't make sense. I don't know why they would treat me like that and everything else. They're probably not going to be a good fit here because it's about all of us crossing that finish line. And we don't care how we get there as long as we do it, you know, in the right way and, and, and finish strong. Um, but as far as, you know, growing company and culture, I think, I think we're really pointing it out that we all own it, um, and that we continue to work with it. I'd like to see us become a big company with a small company culture. Um, and I I think it gets to the point where the operator meeting was really, um, big for me. Um, I'm sure it was for you as well to see so many people, people that you didn't know. Um, I hope you took, um, Eric Lindbergh's challenge to meet three people and, uh, to connect with them and and um, and keep that going. I just had my um, my call with my uh, the three that I picked the last um, yesterday, and then I'll have one more tomorrow just to check in with them. And I think those are little things that we've got to do um, to do that. And I think what you're doing um, with this podcast is helping as well. Yeah, we we took taken that uh, challenge and and supersized it here. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I like it. All right, so kind of on that note, um, more of a kind of personal question of what you think makes the best operator. Now, there's a lot of cliche stuff I'm sure we could say for this, but if you were to say uh, what you think the top 1% of an operator looks like, their traits, kind of what they do, how they think, uh, kind of describe to me what that looks like to you. Gosh, you know, it's... I, if you say 1%, we're talking four operators, maybe five, right? Okay, um, five, top 10%. Seven. Yeah, <laughs> I think, zero to that. And, you know, and I, and I, and I, I truly meant this that, um, you know, and I, and I said it in Vegas is that if I, if there ever, ever was an Olympic 
um, for operators, retail retail um, managers or, or leaders, um, the the operators for Grocery Outlet would come out with all gold, all the medals. Um, there wouldn't even be a nobody. Nobody would even come in close. And uh, and a lot of that has to do with just um, it starts with the recruiting process. And and Alejandro's actually another good hire that we've had, and I think he's done a lot for our culture. I call him Culture King. Um, he, you know, he's. He's he's um he's a he's a breath of fresh air and he uh, he, he understands it and um and the recruiters have a hard time you know probably one of the hardest jobs I mean can you imagine trying to reach out to somebody that's cross country has never heard of our model and talking them into into this you know journey I mean I look at Dean and Sarah Biggs came from Kansas City you know they never heard of us and look at them today um, so they're looking for that hungry humble and smart as 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 easy as that sounds. Um, you know, it's 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 much more difficult. You know, we look for somebody who's a good partner. Um, you know, such as you you both, and then um, really understands the model. You know, it's that's the tough part. And and Dylan, you know, you know, you came from the outside, and 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 a lot of times you find yourself going back to your old old self in the beginning, the first year or two. You're like, oh my God, why can't we get this? Why can't we do that? Or, you know, why are we getting these forces? But when you really understand the model, you become a better partner. Um, and then um, and then the the operator of, of that top 10% has a higher standard than the grocery outlet standard. And grocery outlet standards have gone up a little bit, but the operator's standards have gone up even higher, um, which is really good. And then, um, and then understands that you know they can't do it themselves that they build good teams you know to the point where you can actually go to mexico at sometimes with with your with your family i think i you know you know a lot of times contradictory to what may, an operator may think they may they may think that um goi wants an operator to be there seven days a week 24 7. Um, we know that's not sustainable um the best operators are, are able to empower their folks and really run their business really well um Good operators connected to the community, um, willing to do some crazy things like ride bicycles to the park, and uh, <laughs> and then they have little things. Um, you know, that was, that's marketing, man. That is that is great. Um, great that you did that. I don't know if you're still doing it, Mike, um, but I thought that was great. And marketing, like I said, is, is another piece of the operator, something that they're not used to doing from their past. And then, um, and the other thing, and I'm just going to throw it out there, uh, and and I'm going to probably get a little a little slack for it. Um, but look like the owner of the store and don't look like the guy who's throwing the freight. Um, sometimes it's hard to identify the owner for the, for the customer, but be proud of, you know, wearing your owner's shirt um, or your owner badge and, uh, and do it all the time. I wear, wearing it again, you know, it's, it's something to be proud of. It really is. And, uh, and I know, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear, John. I, it's, it's hard to say, you know, <laughs> go dig out my name tag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I get it. Hey, Jones. you know, it's, but we're, we're building a brand and I, and I honestly believe it's us against the world. It really is. I, I look at it that way and, and Dylan, you know, you, you came from the Safeway world and uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, happy for you, but you know, a lot of them are jealous of you because you had the courage to take the jump. Um, but you know, it's, it's something to be proud of. So well, and um, luckily Holly oh, Holly brought 10, 12 of us with her. So uh, yeah. I think yeah. this has a, a huge DNA of Safeway now in it. Um, so on the yeah. flip yeah. side of that, on the flip side of that, uh, what are gen what's is there what's the biggest reason why operators fail? 
right? So we talk about what makes them successful, but what are, what are the things that lead to uh, troubled waters? An easy, easy answer to that would be to say um, the inability to control their finances, you know, understanding the margin. You guys have an open checkbook to to order, right? You're not paying for your inventory up front. So that um that's that can get you into trouble um especially if you you know you get you get heavy fingers and you and you and you you don't understand the turns um then all of a sudden you you start getting negative in your margins so you got to be careful on that you know can't control your labor um you know it, those are some other struggles and you know so your your finances but the other part i think is really you know if they if they fail earlier sometimes i think what they're doing is is i don't think they do it intentionally is that they're expecting their expectations um, don't meet up with what the um, the demand's going to be um, on them. And when I say that is that when you say when the recruiters are saying, "Hey, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done," they say it 15 times through the whole process, if not more, and they try to get it through their head, and they don't under and they think they understand that, but they don't. And then they say, "You're going to be there from open to close," and it's going to take you a long time to, to get through there. Um, you know, it's not going to be a week or two and they'll say, yeah, I can do it. Um, but when they actually get into the store and it, and it really reality check is there, um, I think they just don't get some of the, the challenges of it. And they, they just don't know how to empower their people. They're not, um, you know, a red, a red flag for me is when you ask them, Hey, you know what, who's going to be your, your produce manager? Well, I haven't identified him yet, but I'm going to wait a couple of weeks to figure out who does it the best not a good plan yeah so yeah that's that's gotcha. it I guess. that's it okay good, yeah. Good, yeah. good good yeah um so kind of back on the growth side of things here a little bit uh so obviously expanding and expanding uh go east young man that's where mm -hmm. that's where we're headed that's the new frontier for the most part um but you know we're still adding stores in california oregon washington um, and as grocery outlet starts to dense up, uh, there, we do end up putting stores not right on top of each other. I mean, I understand that there's population considerations and barriers and so on and so forth, but their cannibalization does happen. So, uh, how does grocery outlet weigh growth with new store cannibalization? And is there... <laughs> Is there a formula that looks at kind of projected sales loss for of an operator versus the gain for grocery outlet corporate GOI? Yeah, the last thing we want to do is impact an operator. Um, you know, when we I mean, look at a lot of we we would hope that when we open another store that we're actually going to build the brand that's going to help both stores, not just one store. Because you know as well as I do that our shoppers really cross shop more than anybody, and uh, and I remember. Um, my first example of that was when we opened up, um, um, when we had Lakeport and we opened up Clear Lake. And and look at both of those stores now today. They're both, they're doing phenomenal. And, um, you know, it, there is a lot of consideration. Um, you know, we don't ever want to come in with a, with a, with a high number of impact. Um, it's usually single digits. Um, and usually the, the operator will get at least about, you know, 18 months to two years notice that it's coming and to help build that business, their business as much as they think it may impact. But overall, we, we hope that it doesn't do that. Um, there is a formula they use, um, but it's, it's, we're, there's a lot of um, sensitivity to it. I, I can promise you that. And, and along those lines, 
Um, how does dual store operators fall into that calculation? Um, good question. Really good question. Uh, you know, we're looking at dual stores more than we ever have. I think we have 12 sets out there right now. Um, when I first started, there was um, some dual stores, and I think they were doing it probably for the wrong reasons. Uh, you can imagine when I when I first started, there was like seven AOTs in in the um, training at that time. Now we have closer to you know 65, I think, is what uh, um, Alejandro has in his pool right now. And so there, but 65 sounds like a lot, but we're you got to figure we're we're growing in all different areas of the company as well. Now. You know, Eric and I had a, a long conversation one day and he's like, you know, I would rather have, you know, you know, five good um, dual store operators versus having 10 mediocre operators running those stores. And so when it's when it's right um, and we and the, and the right candidates are applying for it, um, we make the best decision we can. I mean, I look at um, I look at um, the other one is um, Hidden Valley Lakes and Clear Lake. And, you know, I don't, I don't think Hidden Valley Lakes is doing the volume it's doing if it didn't have the existing operator who lived in that community already. Um, you know, they've done a phenomenal job um, building that business. And if you look at it, it's just some of it just doesn't make sense. There's not the population's not that great. Um, and they've done a really good job. And so sensitive to that, we, and if anybody's interested in becoming a, a dual operator, um, the DSMs will recommend it or, or, or just let the operator know that, you know what, it's probably not going to be a, a good thing for you to do. And for me, a red flag is when somebody says, I can't hire enough good help. Well, if you can't do it in one store, it's going to be really difficult in two stores. Um, or if you can't keep a produce manager or a grocery manager, you, a, dual, a good dual store operator is usually too deep in, in all those key departments. Yeah, gotcha. I've heard of um, I've heard oh, of operators saying, "Well, I'm going to have my produce manager work the half a day here and a half a day there." That doesn't work either. Um, it just doesn't. Well, I would like to officially submit my application for Newberg. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm just. I'm just saying. You know. I mean. Yeah. Okay. John's not going anywhere soon. He's he's a, he's as happy as they get. And um, that was funny when um when when Bruno Amador left. He's first thing he told me was is he's. He said, promise me you, you, you'll find John Elliott at home. Because you know, he was an AOT training program for a while. Yeah, he was a professional AOT for a minute there, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But no, he does a good John's job. probably he like, really why does. do I keep getting brought up on these I know, calls? This is, this is two, two podcasts in a row. I, I got right? against But you. I, right. I will tell you, um, he's that top 10%. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think anybody oh, would argue that. We're going to have to edit that out now, John. We can't, yeah. we can't give John, yeah, we can't give them. And I agreed with it. What am I thinking? I know, right? <laughs> Jeez, gosh. <laughs> oh, hey. Okay, so, um, yeah, okay, think, that's yeah, good to know. Go. That's an interesting, yeah, I know, right? Just shifting gears here. No, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, uh, it's always interesting to see kind of the ebbs and flow of grocery outlet over time. And, yeah, you know, dual stores, they kind of went in that direction, and then they pulled back, and now we're looking at kind of going in that direction again. And, I mean, what, what you're saying is making sense. But, and that all comes, once again, with kind of the what seems to be an underlying theme of this uh, podcast here, uh, at mm -hmm. least with this conversation, is kind of growth and how that affects both stores and corporate. And, you know, earlier on, right, you kind of had this list of, of people that have come on uh, to Grocery Alley and uh, mm -hmm. we have expanded positions. And, I mean, you know, we talk about store growth. I mean, 
I, well, let me just ask you if you know off the top of your head, <laughs> I don't know that you do, but how many corporate employees do we have at this point and what kind of a growth has there been on the corporate side? You know, um, we actually run pretty thin considering how big this company is. Right. Um, and you know, it's, you know, as far as growth, we're, we're very careful on, on, you know, it's not like, Hey, we need, we need 10 more DSMs and we need five more fresh merchandisers. Um, we have to justify the ad. And, and the reality is, is that if you look at the DSMs roles, you know, our, our DSMs have 30, 30 plus stores. Now some have 40. Um, so it's, you know, we, we, the growth is there, but it's it's not um it's not as much as you would think as as far as a regular company um, that would be growing that way. And you know the other thing that you know and I sorry to go off topic again, but it have you, you know, listened to the podcast? It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's a podcast, and that's why he got me on here. But it the operators that we have we recruited over the years have made a big difference to this company as far as an aha moment um, and what they're able to to do and um and to you know I. It's amazing what uh, where we're at today um, compared to where we were at in 2010. Big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Eric Sapp has shared with me that he won't be happy until he gets at least 60 stores kind of spread out all across California, Washington, and Oregon. So just throwing that out there to you. Yeah, he wants to be in all the hunting areas is what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. on that on that growth kind of side of things, and you know, yeah, so you're uh, – so yeah, we, we run lean and, and, you know, everything has to be justified and, and you want everything to really, to work well. And I think, I think it's good to be, you know, lean and scrappy versus, you know, slow and bloated, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, but when it comes to, uh, logistical expansion, right. And support for these stores. And I think the corporate support is really important in a lot of areas, but I think one of the things that touches operators mostly is that logistical support right um mm -hmm. as we're going into you know farther and farther away from existing warehouses that's you know freight charges uh delivery times you know all that type of stuff um product it's available to order um and i know that uh up in oregon you know when i first started uh, 95 was like a, a half warehouse and 97 was the main warehouse and so we ordered out of both Mm -hmm. And when they uh, moved 95 and made it a full-fledged warehouse, that made a huge difference for us in our business for what we could get and expenses and all that kind of stuff. So big breath, because this was a long question. <laughs> uh, how does, how does GUI go most... about road? Yeah. How does GUI go about road mapping uh, that logistical expansion when we're moving into all of these new markets all around the nation? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. To be honest with you, it's probably, I'm not one to, that's really probably um, armed to be able to give you a really good answer. I just know that, you know, it's conversations that we have. It just depends on where we're going. You know, we're going into Las Vegas. Um, you know, we, we just posted a store down there. We, and we've got to make sure it makes sense. And so, you know, we have 997, 993 in Southern California, which is able to service those areas. But how far out can you go before you have to put in something else? Um, and it's, you know, there's a shortage of drivers and it seems like it's getting better now. Um, but when you have to have a driver that has to spend the night because he runs out of time, um, the freight charge is going to get up, freight caps come in, you know, all those things play into it. And I, you know, we, we've hired Tim Scott, um, really smart guy. He's gone through this before 
and you know and he's he's going to help us get there but i just i just um when you start thinking you know um when you talk about rj's goal you know getting to a thousand stores um there's going to be a lot of those challenges but i um i'm excited about that um and i know that there's a you know a lot of discussions with those teams to get it done but i've got enough things on my plate to the point where i i can't get involved in all those things because it i can't i can't contribute enough um I'm more the operations guy. Put it out there and, and let me work with it. And I'm successful. I found something that John can't fully speak to. You know what? That is true. Um, I can tell you. It's I rare. Can, I, I it's have, rare. I have him, him on speed dial, and um, and he can help me. But um, but there's a lot. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And you know, and you know, our warehouses right now are packed pretty good, and that, that's a good thing because now you think about product. You know, that I'm sure that's going to be a question that comes up. Is you know. MTO and opportunistic, um, and our buyers are just having a, a you know a heyday when it comes to you know what they're able to buy right now. So it's good. That's a good thing. So I mean, I think I think we just jump right to that. So let's talk about the opportunistic versus MTO. Obviously, okay. going to a thousand stores. Um, I think there's probably a lot of fear I'm included as far as not having enough product. You know, we've obviously seen ebbs and flows of the order guide and, and times where it's great and other times where it's not what it used to be back in the day. And obviously as we expand, uh, at what point do we look at the number of stores we have versus the amount of opportunistic buys that we can get and say, maybe we can't support the model as much and have to go more towards the MTO side yeah and so you know i need to call a friend steve wilson um but i can speak to some of that i, I can be honest with you um i know that you know the opportunistic right now is pretty good i know that they're the order guide is really rich right now i've heard you know, a lot of operators which is unusual for an operator to send a note to the buyers to say hey this this is one of the best order guides i've seen in a long time um decent margins great variety um and, and plenty of quantity at this point so I don't think that's going to be out of the norm. It could be um, be something that we see for a long time. We we went through that that phase where we went through COVID, basically wiped out all the existing inventory in all the warehouses across America. I mean, not just us; every retailer had to refill, right? And then um, and then a lot of the a lot of the suppliers said, basically, you know what? We're not going to we're not going to produce nearly as many SKUs as we once did because we don't have to at this point. Um, but I think we're at a point now where innovation's got to come back in. They've got to get some more creative, and it's going to open up a lot of more deals for us. So, I mean, long-term forecast, I, I don't know how all that looks out. I know that Steve Wilson's got a great master plan that he shared at the operator meeting um, as far as the MTO side of it. Um, but I think, you know, his, his goal is to make sure that, any you know, the MTO and, and opportunistics remain balanced to the point where the margins are healthy. And just to kind of uh, put you on the spot a little bit more on yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. Just um, so I, I don't doubt that there's a lot of oppor opportunity out there, right? And especially as we move to new markets that, mm -hmm. and they're constantly going to these trade shows and finding new partners. And, you know, I mean, it's all, I, I don't think it's ever going away by any means or will be a, a insignificant part of the business by any means. But... And I don't have the numbers to back this up, which is kind of how I do most things. But if the feeling is that when I first started, uh, you know, we were like 70% opportunistic buys, mm -hmm. right? 
7030. Yeah. And then, and, you know, I would say we're, I feel like it's a little more like 60 40 now. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say that I do think MTOs are important. I, I like the version of grocery outlet where it's a lot less shop us first than go somewhere else. I like the idea of no, just shop us and, you know, we'll have everything that you, that you need to fill your basket. And I think that's really important for, gaining new customers, keeping customers, you know, all that type of thing. But I wonder kind of as a percentage, you know, where, where do you see the opportunistic to MTO uh, evening or uh, flattening out or does it ever, or is it just always changing? I think it's going to be changing. Um, you know, I think at some point you'll kind of have a good baseline. I don't know where that is right now. I have a feeling that you'll probably see opportunities to continue to grow for a little bit again, just because what we're seeing currently in the market. But I don't know that that you know the correct answer to that. I do know that you know operator health is is very important. So we just can't come up with a bunch of MTO items to the point where it's it's you know you know really putting a lot of pressure on margin, and so. Very, very sensitive to that because if, if you're not making money, we're not making money. Okay. Sure. That's a, my mic was muted. I was, I was responding, but. You muted? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I do it to. Yeah, we always say that you're on mute. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, kind of one more question and then we're going to get to uh, uh, the Dylan Hartung lightning round here. Oh, good. I got to. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got. If you run out of questions, I have some for you guys. So, oh yeah. Ahead. Well, hey, let me ask this one, and then, uh, then I want to hear we're your out of time now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I am curious about this. Um, so, obviously, Grocery Outlet is based in the San Francisco area; has been forever. Um, what are the challenges and benefits of being based in San Francisco when it comes to corporate hiring and retention? That is challenging. Um, you know, you with you know somebody will, and I, and it's more of an HR question than than anything, because uh, th things have changed. Um, you know, I don't not not everybody's working 100% in the office anymore, so you got remote, and um, and you've got um, people who from the corporate side are actually working in different states now, um, and so we've we've become more flexible with that, and it's the only way we if we don't if we don't do that, we can't be competitive on hiring, and. Um, but it, it does create some challenges. I can imagine, you know, uh, and I've heard of stories, and I don't know, and I can't say of names or anything like that. But I, you can imagine when you, when you, when you're recruiting somebody, and then you tell them that you're based out of San Francisco, and they look at cost of living, they're like, oh my god, you know, it's crazy. You know, I'm going to go from a, a three thousand foot bedroom or house to um, to a, a nine hundred square foot apartment um, for the same cost. It's it's a little scary, and uh, and not to mention you know some of the other challenges that the um, the recruiters are having, you know, and they're doing a great job with this, but, you know, interest rates to have somebody move right now, it's a little, you know, here they got, you know, 3% or less on, on a house that they own now and to say, Hey, you're going to probably have to move. It's kind of a, a deal breaker for some. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, All right. you know, we've talked about, you know, you know, where would, where would we be better off? And it's just, it's just too hard to make sure. that decision. Well, and I think with, I would imagine with, you know, the, the uprising of remote work, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to relocate the entire, you know, corporate office. You can, you know, like you said, there's yeah. more opportunities for that. I would imagine. Well, I was, I was there yesterday. The parking lot was full. Sure. So that's a, sure. that's a great feeling to be honest with you. It was, it was kind of eerie going through, um, 
um, COVID and you go down there and there's like three people. It looked like only three or four people in the office. It's pretty empty, but um, we're almost back to normal. Cool. So what, so what do you got for us, John? Yeah. So, you know, May's coming up. There's a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of events. First of the month, Cinco de Mayo, you know, you got Memorial Day, Mother's Day. Um, What are your plans? Uh, Yeah, we can start. So we, uh, we're aggressive in our store. Um, my, my wife will be the first one to say overly aggressive when it comes to ordering, you know, talk about a heavy finger. We go big on everything. Um, our snow just melted two weeks ago. We're kind of in that thing that, you know, uh, Bab was in too. Uh, and so we went huge on, on everything grillable. Um, we have, you know, piles of beer everywhere. Um, chips. I, I mean, it's back to like the old, uh, people are partying. So we wanted to be so impulsive all around, um, very aggressive when it comes to our merchandising. So, you know, everything is themed. We have all these in bases that are all themed for first month and Cinco de Mayo and just getting back to life. Um, <laughs> this year, I feel like there's been so many good things happening where people are just getting back to normal. People are starting to party more and, and enjoy life again, because we went on this hiatus where we didn't do a whole lot. I, I feel like holidays weren't as fun as they used to be when it comes to the grocery world. And, you know, when you're a grocery person, you know that this is what we live for. We live for the building of the theme and and really going after um, all the work to get ready for it. And now we can kind of go back to that. Um, it, it, it's fun. You know, I, I think... COVID was, I mean, not only was it not just fun, uh, it, it was hard for all of us to to deal yeah. with. It wasn't the same world. And now it's almost like we're being rewarded for that time. You know, we're kind of gone through the majority of it. We can go back to normal. We can go back to being grocers, um, going for sales, going for standards. Uh, yeah. So for us, uh, you walk through our store and it feels like an event. Uh, and I know we're not just around the corner from you, uh, John, but I mean, I'll send mm-hmm. you some pictures of some fun displays that we've done and, and things we've done to kind of get ready for just uh, aggressive sales. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, it. yeah, I think, uh, you know, really the opportunity, especially now, right. Coming out of what we've been coming out of and so on, is, is creating that vibe in the store. Right. And through product mix, through displays and, and all the, and you know, the things that you're talking about, but also through the social media aspect of it and, um, kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, promoting these things, but not just, you know, throwing a stack of beer out and saying, Hey, Cinco de Mayo, come on down. But you know, creating that ambiance in the store and the through line of you know, springs here. You know, people are gathering. We have this event. We have that event, and and really trying to push that through on the on the store and uh, marketing side of it. Yeah, can I put you guys on the spot? Um, sure. I know you guys always ask the questions, but I want to I want to ask a question to you. Um, and I'll let Mike go first on this. Okay. One. As an operator, what what has been your highest moment and what has been your lowest moment? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I'd say the highest moment, you know, just like you said earlier, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one moment, but I'll, I'll say a type of moment that is the highest. And the highest moment for me as an operator is 100% been to have an idea of something and to be able to 
and it, and a lot of times if and and you've heard some of my ideas i'm sure john but they can be a little off the wall at times but to have this have a have a vision something that kind of strikes you and to be able to implement it and then see the success from that mm-hmm. and uh be able to go from uh the the first blush of the idea to uh to seeing the rewards of it and not having a ton of bureaucracy bureaucracy in the middle um being able to just this is what we want to do this is how we're going to do it do it and then see what happens and when that works out and uh the results are everything they thought you thought they would be and then maybe a little bit better you know that's that's always such a that's such a such a rewarding rewarding feeling um so that's that for me is is the the top of the mountain um the most difficult is you know i the lowest moment would be you know just kind of it really is kind of the once again i'll just say the feeling of it but you know we all have those times where uh yeah just stuff doesn't seem to be going right you kind of just get your crew kind of where you want it and then you have some turnover or um you know uh trying to navigate the the uh the day-to-day when it's just nothing seems to go your way (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah i I haven't had one day or one moment where i was like ugh, you know this was the bottom for me but i think just like everybody and you know covid was a a big part of that you know you're trudging along you're you're worried about your turnover turnover you're worried about uh you know retaining customers you're worried about uh regulation and you know people coming in and oh, am i doing this right i'm doing that right and being able to you know find your way out of that mm-hmm. um yeah that so that, that's for me good dylan yeah so when you ask that uh it's funny. Uh, one, I have one lowest moment that I know when it was, and I mean, it was very, very obvious. And then the, the highest moment, and I'll get to them in a second, the highest moment, gosh, there's so many. Um, and I love the fact that I only have one lowest moment I can even think about. So when we opened up our first store, um, it was one of the worst winters uh, up in the airway in Spokane region. And we opened up and basically grand opening week and basically was a flop. Um, you know, we averaged uh, very, very low sales and um, we're on day three, day four uh, of our opening. And uh, Rob Weaver was there um, and, you know, trying to be positive and everything else. And, 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 you know, we were obviously concerned, but we had a lot of stuff to do. And it's four days in and it's, I don't know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, and there's hardly anyone in the store. And Tony and I were just in the office and it was like this, what did we do? Like, what do we, what do we do now? Like, uh, did we make a mistake? Um, and, and it was so early on, uh, very, very scary because we put so much into this. We left, you know, careers have been a, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a, Oh no. Uh, uh, I think there's a term for that. I'm not going to say it, but yeah, um, it, not good. And, yeah. and Rob Weaver, uh, was our, our first DSM and again, so great to work with him, 
so supportive and uh, just kind of talked us through, hey, listen, this is not about today's sales or this week's sales. This is about a, a road that you're going to work on and grow and, and do that. And so during that time, we uh, had a huge bond with him and and corporate was very involved with trying to give us some ideas and things to do and marketing and, and you know, we got through it. But that, that was a one moment where it was like, oh, no. Uh, and then it got better and it got better and, and things happened and, and look uh, at you we now. got through it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was our, our moment that was just, you know, Oh no. Cause you know, during training, uh, you know, they don't, they didn't talk about, uh, what happens if your store is going to open up doing, you know, half what it should, or they don't talk a whole lot, uh, back then about TCAP or, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Uh, now I think, uh, GOI does an incredible job of talking about the reality of a new store is not going to be uh, a fire starter. You know, it's going to be uh, work. It's going to be a struggle. I mean, look at how you're going to pinch every penny. And, and so I think mm -hmm. Rochelle has evolved in a huge way with their trading to set that standards. Uh, we have AOTs right now, and it's so funny. They're all about, hey, we're going to go into the store. And it's probably not going to be doing anything when we open up. And that's okay because we know about it and they're prepared for it. Um, so that was my lowest. As far as highest, uh, I mean, we have so many, um, but there's uh, two in particular. So uh, Tanya and I were at lunch um, in uh, the town right now, and uh, we had our grocery outlet shirts on, and um, uh, the waitress came up to us and said, oh, you guys are the new owners uh, of the store. I've been going there for so many years, and she gave us just huge compliments that really told that she shopped our store. She didn't say, oh, I love your store. She was like, I love the fact that you've done this, done that. She goes, I have five kids and I've, I've shopped there for so long. You've allowed me to put food on my table every day. You've allowed me to not feel like I'm underclass. You, you gave us an opportunity to treat our kids right. And uh, Tanya, I, you know, we could be emotional at times and, and it was, it struck us so hard. Um, just hearing a true heart to heart um, compliment about who we are, what we do. And that moment was one of those ones where it's like, gosh, this is, this is why we do it. Um, and, and the other one um, is whenever we can help an employee, like our, our first store was very difficult. It was hard to pay people what we would have liked to, because, you know, we were, you know, it was a struggling store. Uh, and mm -hmm. now we're at a store where we can, we can do raises, we can do bonuses, uh, but we also can do, we can help out employees so much more than we've ever been able to help out. If an employee needs something, if they're struggling, if they need uh, something that's going to make their life whole or, or better, we can now be a part of something so much bigger. Um, and, and so often, you know, we, we, can be stressed out with work and everything else, but we look at the good we can do, not just for our community, but for our people, we can be just great leaders and great bosses in our store. And we can help them in a way that maybe someone else can't. And it's not to try to play this almighty God-like person. It's to be able to be compassionate when you have the ability to be able to support them. And so there's so many of those kind of moments that we have that again, previous career, Never had, never got the opportunity to be able to, to, to do that. And now we're kind of able to play a bigger role than just owning a grocery store or having a job. We can play big parts of people's lives um, at times that can maybe be uh, bigger than we ever could imagine for them. So.
Yeah. I'd actually like to amend my answer to Dylan's answer because that was far more altruistic and like, well, I like when I have a great idea, blah, blah, blah. And Dylan's like, I love when I do stuff for people. Oh, Dylan. Yeah. Well, first of all, see, the reason why I'm friends with you is because you have the great ideas and you give me linked into so many different things that I wouldn't have thought about, you know, like this podcast, which was not my first or even second choice, but now we're here and having fun. So. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing. That was good. Really good. All right. Well, listen, we're getting to the uh, the end of our time here, um, but we do want to do a, a little uh, little lightning round here for you, John. Um, and what are we setting this time at, Dylan? What are we doing? Uh, let's do 90 seconds. 90 um, seconds. Okay. So we're going to see how many questions we can go through in 90 seconds. Uh, oh, we God. might get them all. We might not. We'll see. Uh, these are really, really tough, John. So just <laughs> buckle up, okay? All right. Go. Okay. Dylan, you want to start? All Go. right. Advice you'd give to your younger self? Be patient. Okay. What is your best trait? Empathy. Okay. Besides finally being on this podcast, what does success look like to you? <laughs> It's us against the world. I mean, we, we got to keep growing like we're doing. That That's my success, to see the operators um, grow with us. All right. Favorite dinner? Steak and potatoes. Okay. If you had a parrot, what would you teach it to say? Hello. <laughs> Best childhood memory? Um, fishing with my dad. Oh. Best childhood memory. Round. I know. Lightning round. I just asked that. Something <laughs> oh, you don't sorry. like. Something you don't like. <laughs> um, allergies. What do you think is a waste of money? Um, I probably shouldn't say that's political. Um, <laughs> a waste of money. Taxes. I don't know. Okay. Uh, name an item on your bucket list. Um, to go and take a vacation with my wife in those, in those huts over the sea. Okay. And last one, Two more. we like quotes here. There you Best go. quote. Best quote. God, you caught me way off guard on that yeah. one. Um, like I said earlier, um, we can't, we can't want it more than you, you guys. And we can't right. do it for them. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, John, uh, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. It was, uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, and just a heads up, you know, we're having our IFH kickoff for um, the golf tournament in, uh, in California. Unfortunately, we don't have it up there. But if you guys can go there, it'd be great. Um, we'll have discount hotels, operator surveys coming up, um, regionals in September. Um, we'll be recognizing the Star Awards then. Want to make bigger of an event of it. Um, I didn't like the way we um, did it at the uh, operator meeting. It was really tough. Um, and then again, once again, thanks thanks for all you guys do. Well, hey, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you, my friend. Thank you all very right, thank much. Thank you for being on. Thank you. See ya. All right. Well, uh, that was great. Yeah, that was great. That's my, my standard thing. Uh, but uh, as we talked about in the intro, uh, thoroughly enjoyable guy to talk to. 
really appreciated having uh, John on the on the call on the podcast. Uh, Dylan, what were what were your thoughts? I mean, same thing. It's just it, it, it's so nice to be able to talk to a person. Like if if you would have told me, you know, ten years ago, hey, by the way, you're going to be talking to this person with this title, just randomly, I'd be like. Why? I, I don't think I want to. And, and, and this, <laughs> it, it felt so just normal, and and uh, I, I feel so comfortable not just talking to him on this call or any call. Like I, I feel good about just talking to uh, the corporate team. I, I feel like it, it's very just neutral and and healthy, and you get good ideas, and it's not like you have to wonder about really what they're thinking. Uh, I, I think you can be very open and, and transparent. Um, and, and, you know, he, he was great. It was, it was really good to just kind of talk about a bunch of stuff and, and get what I feel like were real answers, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I was really interested going into this and to, you know, talking about stuff that's, you know, store related and operator related as well. But, um, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to, operators right and especially doing this podcast now but just in general um mm-hmm. just you know, just kind of i like i enjoy it um but everything is really from an operator's perspective a store perspective um and obviously i talk to people from corporate as well but uh it's usually about store stuff and mm-hmm. so being able to kind of uh talk about uh, the corporate side of things and, you know, corporate culture and, you know, uh, the challenges of, of you know, retaining people on the corporate side, even though that was a small part of it, but it's just, it's things that have occupied my mind for a while. Uh, and that was, that was really nice to be able to, to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like if I had questions even later on, I could just call him up and ask as well. Um, I did feel guilty, I think, about one of the questions. You know, the question you asked basically about operator fatigue on backstage. Okay. Like, do they ever just yeah. get uh, tired of it and, and whatever? And, you know, th- there are times I think we we try to give compliments to, you know, whether it be trucking or backstage or, or whatever. But, but yeah, when you said that, too, it was one of those, like, gosh, how, how often do we think our problems are the number one because they are at that time. But from their, from their aspect, my gosh, the phone rings, they got to be thinking, okay, what delivery is stuck or what delivery didn't show up or, or, or what issue is it now? Or, or what is it about the TPR? Um, endless, just negativity, which again, that's part of the job, obviously coming up with solutions. Uh, but yeah, it's gotta be a little bit at times, um, overwhelming, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it doesn't make the issues and the concerns from operators any less legitimate no. by any means, but you know, I just, I try and think of things, you know, from my store level and yeah, having, you know, 32 ish employees and, uh, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here and say that, you know, every, if, even if every single one of their issues is fully legitimate, uh, it does become, it's, it's taxing nonetheless. Um, and, uh, so I, I often think about, uh, corporate when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, so anyways, yeah, it, it is a, it is a reminder to myself to be a little more, uh, 
well, maybe not, uh, you know, to be more understanding when it's when it's appropriate, but also to take take a minute and every now and again, and you know, give somebody a an attaboy or an attagal and a, a pat on the back and a shout out, and you know, because I think everybody needs that, and it's it's part of relationship building, and relationships are so important in this business and especially in this company. And uh, you know, I I need to do a better job of kind of taking ownership of that as well. Yeah. So when you said that, here's what I heard. I heard that Mike wants to be a middleman. Uh, I don't know if we can use that term middle person now, uh, middle sure. person uh, to take on complaints and issues. So for the stores that are still listening to this podcast, uh, if you have a concern, call Mike first and let him yeah. know the concern. And then he will tell you if it's valid or not. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will install my own version of eye care. So my phone isn't ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, no, hold on, hold on. So that's yeah, part, yeah, yeah, please. a question. How do you feel about the whole eye care system? Uh, I like it overall. I, I mean, listen, I, I really like the fact that I could pick up a phone and just call people and that's who I am to an extent. And I, I have to remind myself that other people are busy. And once again, my, my, my needs are not, it doesn't trump everything else. And so I, I imagine that, uh, as you could probably ask Dan Bab and Eric Sapp, who I just kind of pick up the phone when I could easily type an email, like, ah, I'm going to call them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but so I don't think, though, I don't think that you could maintain that system that was in place before as you're with growth. And I think yep. eye care is a, is a, a great uh, way to handle that, handle the volume. Um, I think with anything, though, yeah, I mean, it's got its issues. I mean, I've, I've waited uh, for, I'm currently waiting for an eye care case to be, <laughs> even you know, acknowledged at the moment. Um, it's nothing like crazy pressing, so I'm not getting too, too upset about it. But, but there's definitely room for improvement for sure. But uh, generally speaking, I think it works great 85, maybe even 90% of the time. Um, makes a lot of sense, and it, it'll only get better. Yeah, and it's going to have to obviously be that direction going to the thousand stores plus and going from there. But yeah, there there are times where, uh, you know, I definitely miss that kind of old school calling up the actual person dealing with it. Um, because again, it's not the way that uh, you can operate while growing at the rate we're growing. So yeah, and I, you know, once again, I, I try and uh, pare things down and think about it on my scale. And, you know, listen, I get tired of people trying to like get my time and attention and, you know, it's part of running a business. It's important. And I want to give, you know, vendors and people who are looking for donations and employees and all these people time, but you know, it's a lot. <laughs> and so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate, you know, emails as well <laughs> versus constant phone calls. Too. Well, you know, you you jokingly, you know, just like most things, brought up the fact that you are going to have your own eye care system. Maybe, maybe oh. you create Ooh. your Ooh. own personal in-store eye care system where 
employees could go on and you know obviously if it's a major issue they're going to call sure 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 danny danny directly um and then if they can't reach her they'll call you but uh <laughs> employees could go on and be like i have this issue and fill out the form and then you could address yeah. it when you have time or or you know whenever yeah i guess Ooh. i guess we kind of have that anyway it's called home base you know, for those of you that use home base, I mean, you got the messaging <laughs> feature and all that kind of stuff, right? You can see who's read what, but, uh, right? <laughs> but yes, I like it. I like it very much. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So let's talk about our next call. Uh, yeah. It was kind of funny because, you know, uh, Mr. Decker brought up uh, about the dual ownership and, and how basically Gross Rallet is re-looking at kind of considering maybe more of those in the future. Uh, and, and just so happens that our next guest, Dean and Sarah Biggs, happen to be dual store operators. And that was purely by coincidence. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't remember now, but they own Lemon Valley and... Spanish Springs? Something like that? Okay. Does well, that not they, sound correct? Well, well they can... Uh, they can correct us. Spanish we, Springs with confidence. Spanish yes, Springs? they do. Okay, yes. with confidence. Okay, good. Yes. So Lemon Valley and Spanish Springs. Got it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that'll be, uh, yeah, we have a, a good lead-in from, uh, from this episode to the next. Yeah. Right. And if there are any, uh, it's funny, I receive a lot of kind of personal messages uh, about these calls and people kind of asking, um, you know, content-wise and questions, you know, if there's anything that anyone thinks would be good content, we are always looking for ideas uh, of things to talk about because, uh, as I've mentioned many times, this podcast was kind of just a uh, joke at first that Mike wanted to do, and and I thought I would do one or two, and and, and now uh, I definitely am enjoying it much more than I ever thought I would. Uh, but yeah, if there's ever anything that you guys think that we should talk about or anything, uh, send it our way if you would. Uh, always up for ideas and uh, continuous training, and you know, and, and obviously we're very very amateuristic here. Uh, my so. Uh, more than Mike, obviously, because I, I think this is his actually true calling. Um, but <laughs> if there are any ideas, uh, feel free to shoot them our way. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. We we do uh, we do enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, you know, uh, it's always it's always nice to 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 hear hear the positive feedback. Not not fishing for compliments here. Yes, I am, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good. <laughs> Uh, anyways well oh, listen yeah, real, I think, real quickly real yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. yeah uh please. we don't have a day yet either for the podcast that we're going to talk purely about quotes and oh yeah i the quote cast we the need quote to, cast. Yeah, the quote cast um and i think that needs to be probably at least uh, uh five six different operators on there doing it with us so uh put that in your back pocket and kind of come up with okay. when that's going to happen because okay we will need some prep time yeah that sounds like an insanely uh, difficult thing to even conceptualize <laughs> just, just an hour of like one upping each other with quotes. <laughs> like I don't even know how that works. <laughs> well, the funny part is it, it's probably, well, hopefully it never happens, oh, but yes, yes, yes. we're going to keep on bringing it up as if it might be a thing, even though in actuality, it's probably yeah. not. When we've run out of ideas and operators and all that kind of stuff, we're like, I don't know. We talked about this quote cast for I don't even know how long at this point. <laughs> we'll just do it. 
And that will be the death nail on, on number three. Okay, so. gotcha. Yeah, that'll be the death nail for the comp for the uh, podcast. So when you hear the quote cast, you'll know it's the final episode and you probably should have stopped listening uh, a while ago. Okay. <laughs> well, yes, on sir. that note, I yeah. think uh, this is our good outro. And so until next time, good talking to you and want to just give a huge shout out and thank you to John Decker for, you know, being part of this and, and willing uh, to be on this and just kind of talk to us and, you know, help, help us with this though. Thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day, Dylan. See ya.